0: The title of this episode is Real Immunity. So if you listened to part three of the truth about transformation last week, then you got all the behind the scenes on how the Soul Frequency Experience Program was created, all of them. A lot of them, most of them. And we are about to lead the final small group sacred circle experience. And I am so looking forward to this. This program is a five week deep dive into transforming the parts of your life that, you know, need a little love and also powerfully stepping into your truth, knowing what your truth is, having clarity on that, standing in your power and moving forward in life. You in this program will be coached each and every day for five weeks by me. Yep, me. Um, I am the only coach that coaches in the Soul Frequency Experience. And I have all of the participants in a private group chat and we go back and forth every day of the week for the five weeks. And we also meet once a week by live video chat to raise your frequency, to help you move forward in powerful ways, to give you those quick perspective shifts as well. It's like nothing I've ever seen before this program, and it's a super small group. So it's a tight-knit, sacred circle, um, everyone really gets to know each other. And if it feels like it's something of resonance to you to be in a group where you really get to be seen and heard, you really get to create a big energetic shift, head on over to thesoulfrequency.com forward slash experience and you can find out more information and register there. Also, I want to share just some of the comments. Um, from each of the members of the very first Soul Frequency experience. So we did this for the first time in February of this year. And I want to show each person's comments on it, because sometimes I think, you know, when you're in big groups of people or big coaching groups, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. And this is such a tight knit family that kind of comes together, a soul family and really walks together that I always find it really powerful to hear right from the people that have done this work and who have experienced this. So Leslie says, the Soul Frequency Experience is a sort of magic carpet ride into your deeper self, a discovery of connections that free you from the false truths that hold you back from going after the life you truly want to live. It allows you to take every thought, judgment, and experience and use it to live authentically. And Aubrey says the soul frequency experience has helped me really hone in and get specific answers to questions I had when reading the book Listening to the other experiences in the group has helped me see areas in my life where I had blinders on Natalie who was in the first group as well says Sean is just amazing. It's like she knows my soul It's like she really truly knows me and knows my heart. So thank you for the attentiveness So sweet Natalie uh, Jennifer says, being able to participate in the Soul Frequency Experience has gifted me guided practice on how to use the content of your of the book. To be able to not only connect with the content, but also have active engagement with the creator of the content and pure interaction with the other souls who share this journey is like lightning that's been left out of a jar. Shauna, you're amazing and a generous soul. I'll be forever grateful to you and for you. Much love. Jennifer. So sweet. Love you too, girl. And Dana says, really wonderful, powerful, loving experience of change and growth in a safe space. So sweet. Incredible, moving, life-changing, a program that allows its members to live at their highest frequency, unique and wonderful, loved being part of this group is what Denise had to say. And Maria said, the information was given in such a beautiful way, it made it simple to follow each week. Shauna is dialed in and created a container to feel safe and excited to bring about change within each one of us. And Marcy said, this program is amazing. It helps you become aware of patterns that no longer serve you and guides you to do something else instead. So this was the entire first group that did the Soul Frequency Experience, and this is what they received from the experience. And what I set out to create and what came through me to create is something where every single person is seen and heard and is part of the group. Um, If you've ever been coached in a very, very large group or done a large digital program, it can feel like you're just a number or that it's easy to disappear or hide out and that really no one would even know or care if you didn't show up, right, or you weren't there. And sometimes, We want to be seen and heard and we want to show up and we want to also be accountable to that as well So that we can really get the shift that we want in our life And i'm not a big fan of the super big groups because of that fact because I think a lot of times um, you know, we don't get the attention that we really need to make a profound shift in our life. So This is an area where I feel very passionate that every single person who makes the commitment to be a part of this and show up gets to experience an energetic shift in at least one, but probably many, areas of their life. And in this group alone, uh, there were businesses created, there were past blocks that were huge for people that were released for good, bye-bye, gone. Um, There were businesses that were grown, There were relationships that were strengthened. There was lots of new intentions that were created and set in motion. And it's really fun to see where people have gone and how they've grown these things in their life. I get to follow them on social media. So it's awesome. And if you want to join this circle of love and truth and light, we are starting it on September 17th. I think that's so a Tuesday evening. Um, again, you can go to the soulfrequency.com forward slash experience and get yourself a spot. Oh my goodness, today, this episode, I have these every, every once in a while I do episodes and there's a bit of information that gets shared that just blows my mind. And this is one of those episodes. So I'll kind of tell you what it was for me, and you can share with me after you listen to the episode what it was for you. But I am thrilled to be talking about real immunity. You know, so many people are uh, struggling with health issues these days and struggling with immune systems that feel like they are weak or not operating um, at the peak level. And so I really want to dive into this conversation about immunity and even go back to Where it all begins when we're youngsters and how we grow up. And so, if you have children or around children, this is an awesome conversation. But even if you're just reflecting on your own childhood and how your body feels and where you feel like your immunity is at today, that's also awesome. It's so important that we understand this. And there's an interview, the part of the interview that just blew my mind was where um, my guest today talks about childhood illnesses as being important to developmental growth. Uh, So, listen for that part. It's so good. Um, I'm not going to give it away. You got to listen to it. Um, But let me know your thoughts on it because it just, when I heard it, um, really opened a door for me. So my guest today is Scylla Wattacott. She is a PhD, a CCH. She brings a rich and varied background of personal and professional experiences to her healing practice She lived in the Republic of the Marshall Islands on the East Coast. She's lived on the West Coast and abroad on a sailboat in the Bahamas. Her travels to Asia, Russia, Europe, and the Caribbean, and even Micronesia, have instilled a deep respect for humankind and an intuitive understanding of human nature. She also holds a bachelor's degree from Arizona State University, a diploma from the four-year professional program at Northwestern Academy of Homeopathy in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and a PhD from Kingdom College. She served as a member of the research faculty at the American Medical College of Homeopathy and currently is an instructor at the Normandale Community College. She is the co-founder of Free and Healthy Children International, which is a 501c3, for the education of homeopathic practitioners in homeoprophylaxis. She has completed over 1,000 hours in postgraduate studies and has been published in Pathways, homeopathic links, fearless parent, green med info, healthy home economist, and wise traditions. Scylla also holds certification as a cease therapist. Scylla has been a guest speaker in France, Ireland, Indonesia, Canada, and throughout the US. She was recently awarded a 2016 activist award by the Weston A. Price Foundation for her work with homeoprophylaxis. Scylla and her husband are parents to three adopted children from Russia, China, and Taiwan, as well as one biological son. With no further ado, the lovely Scylla Wadikot. Hi, Silla. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on today.
1: Thank you, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I just watched your documentary and you have two of them that are currently out and one that I can't wait for. And I really want to dive into a lot of what we're going to talk about today has to do with, with homeopathy and homeoprophylactics and and really understanding immunity and our immune system. And you have the term real immunity. And I think it's really powerful as I watched um your first documentary, I was really understanding what real immunity is in a way that I don't think I had really understood it before. And so take people back a little bit on your journey before we get into all of this powerful information as to why you're here and why you feel so called to do this work in the world.
1: Well, thank you, Shauna. You know, there there's a number of reasons that I feel called to do the work initially 20 years ago my own daughter had a vaccine injury and she received we adopted her from China she was failure to thrive about 10 pounds at a year old pediatrician gave her all of her vaccines and she immediately went into 105 Fahrenheit fever screaming a shrill scream a huge swollen lump on her leg for the next 12 hours And then I took her in and they said she had aseptic meningitis. So I immediately did some research and this was 20 years ago. So before the internet, we were living in the Marshall Islands in a very remote setting. And I had a Merck manual. And in the Merck manual, it said that a side effect of the MMR is aseptic meningitis. So when I brought that to the pediatrician, it was denied And a light bulb went off for me, realizing that it's up to me to research and make decisions and care for my children, that I couldn't give it up to an authority and look towards an authority as the final word. And I started researching vaccines at that point. found a lot of information and recognized that parents sincerely wanted an option, a choice. And I then went to homeopathic medical school four years and proceeded, uh, my daughter survived that event. She had some chronic issues with repeated high fevers and I treated her homeopathically for many years and she came out of that, she's healthy today. Um, And I realized that parents wanted something, a choice basically. So um, a colleague of mine had uh, brought Isaac Golden's program to the U.S. And he had done a 15 year study in Australia with something called homeoprophylaxis and had fabulous results. So uh, we began uh, working together. We wrote our first book, The Solution. I wrote a subsequent book called There Is a Choice and really started presenting this to parents as an option. Meanwhile, within my homeopathic practice, I recognized how parents were gripped with fear. They were suddenly listening to the pharmaceutical ads on TV. And if their child had a slight fever, 99, 100 degrees, they were running to the ER. And they were frightened and they were feeling like everything had to be treated, that you had to get rid of symptoms. And with a homeopathic brain, I recognized that No, the fever and the symptoms are the body's form of expression and the body's method to exercise itself and move towards its own mature real immunity. So I wanted to do a film. And initially I wanted to do it highlighting homeoprophylaxis but realized that we need to lay some groundwork first. We need to really help parents understand what's the natural immune system do What role does natural disease play in the maturation of the immune system? How do we support that? How does our fear get in the way? And how do we listen to our intuition? Because mother's intuition is what keeps children alive. It's really essential and it's valid and moms need support and encouragement to listen to it. So from those thoughts, the Quest for Real Immunity was born as a first feature length film.
0: Yeah. And I think you bring up an important uh, point and I want to urge all of you guys that are out there listening to listen from a couple different places, because that's what I think is so valuable about this. So certainly I have a child and for anybody that has small children to listen through the lens of being a mother or a caretaker of any sort to small children, but also through a lens of understanding your own life, because I know a lot of adults you know, we have a rise in illness and in autoimmune conditions and in immunity based. Like people will say, I have a low immune system or I'm, my immune system isn't functioning properly. And so, to also listen through that lens about your own health and well being and just the state of health. For adults on the planet as well, because I think to look at it, you know, from this next generation of children, right, that are either on the planet as new little kids or coming on the planet, and then also those of us who are in adulthood, to reflect back on our childhood, right, and to reflect back on our, you know, maybe health journeys at this time is powerful, and you really talk about, you know, immunity from from a very global standpoint, which I think is so important that we understand, like, how our immune system is created and you really go into that. And so let's just define, uh, there was a quote, I think in the beginning of the documentary, that said something like real immunity is the intelligence ingrained in each of our cells. It's our birthright. And I found that to be really powerful. So what is real immunity? Right. That's great, Shauna, because we're
1: endowed with natural, real immunity. And that's our kind of prime directive, if you will, to always move towards perfection. We are designed to heal, to detox, to improve, to evolve, to grow. Look at the spectacular growth from birth to say five years old. It's nothing short of amazing. And we are pre-programmed to do that in a natural world. So real immunity is simply the unencumbered act of maturing within our immune system. And that's done with natural viruses, bacteria, everything we come in contact with, the support of breastfeeding because you're getting all your mom's um, colostrum and antibodies. So there's a natural order to things that supports our real immunity. It's just, it's what we're endowed with. It's not something that you, you know, give to somebody. We all come with it, but then we get encumbered with toxins or stressors or any number of things that impede that real immunity. And that's when we see chronic disease.
0: Yeah and you talk about the and this I've never heard before and I love this information so I have read a lot about holistic health and you know and also when I was pregnant with my son really dove into a lot of the research around making some powerful choices with him that like you said were my mother instinct. And one of the things that you talk about in the documentary is that illness is natural. And I thought that was such a powerful statement because so oftentimes you hear people, well, we've got to eradicate illness. Like illness is horrible and bad and we're afraid of it and we need to get rid of it. And there was a part that talked about um, you know, childhood illnesses like roseola, maybe the precursor to a growth spurt. Worth crawling, I think. And then it was measles as a growth spurt to learning to read and chicken pox with crossing the midline. And and it brought me back to watching my own son because I noticed when he was little that every time he would get, you know, sick, and he was never really sick. I mean, just a, a cold or, you know, a flu that was a passing stage, that there would be an advancement in some ability, right? There would be like he would go to the next level in his ability, whether it's motor skills or, or the way he was processing information. And I never had read anything about that. Can you talk a little bit about the natural way that we learn through these childhood illnesses?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And first of all, congratulations to you for being observant enough to recognize that because i hear this from many parents that they see these developmental leaps after after an illness and if you think about disease viruses bacteria we live here on this planet with many different viruses many bacteria and they are they have a lifespan and they there's a natural order, and Mother Nature designed certain diseases, measles, mumps, chickenpox, to occur within a window of time. And if you think about that, this is very interesting, because we, in, in history, we didn't see these childhood benign diseases happening to the elderly or to adults, because children had them. And then children had lifelong immunity to these diseases, and they also help to mature the system. So there's a book by Neil Miller called Critical Review of Vaccine Studies. And in that book, he talks about, he cites the studies that show those who have measles have fewer of a specific type chronic disease, different cancers, lymphomas, tumors. um, And he cites those studies. So it's not just a nice idea. It's actually been uh, proven that contracting those childhood diseases prevents certain chronic illnesses from happening. So we don't want to annihilate those diseases. We wanna live in concert with these diseases in a way, if our own immune system is robust enough, 99% of the population can withstand those childhood diseases. Now, if we're talking about malnutrition or children of abuse or neglect, these children are severely compromised so that it becomes more difficult to survive some of these diseases. But for your typical first world healthy child, the majority of them can withstand these uh, diseases and benefit a great deal in terms of the developmental leaps that they take.
0: And you said that you talk about healthy boundaries and these different you know, growth times we go through in our life as healthy immunity. And I love the distinction that you talk about as, because typically in a conversation about immune system, people are thinking on a very physical level. And you talk a lot about the emotional level as well. Can you talk about the different areas that you feel all make up the idea of healthy immunity? Right. Yeah, this is good, Shauna, because most of this comes from my homeopathic training,
1: that we can't chop ourselves up into portions. We're whole. And Our physical health is very much connected to our mental emotional health, it's all one. So we see children go through these developmental stages of first they're very connected to the mother, The, the mother and the child are one. So the child cries, the breast comes to the mouth, their hunger is satisfied. They don't give any conscious thought to it. It's just a, It just happens in, in their reality. Then around nine months, they start to become aware of separation, that mother is separate from me and she can go away. And they express fear or anxiety when they're separated from the mother or stranger approaches because their awareness has begun to expand to recognize that I'm a separate person. And then they get into the uh, the twos maybe, where they recognize the power of no and the power of mine or me do, and they start expressing that. So now their power has evolved to a certain extent where they can express themselves and they can make things happen with their words. So That's now exactly. their, their immunity is expanding a little bit more. So all of these are happening in conjunction with the physical maturation. They go into teen years, now they're individuating and I'm not you, I'm me. So they're rejecting what you're suggesting or what you represent, trying to find themselves and the pendulum's gotta sometimes swing way to that other uh, side in order for them to come back in the middle and find out who they really are. And then certainly as adults, we continue this process when we're determining what friends, what job, how much closeness, distance we want in our relationships. It's it's a dynamic process that's always informing our immunity.
0: Yeah, I love the connection of that. And I also, I just wonder, because you talk a lot about fear too, and I talk a lot about fear in my work. I mean, I feel like when you peel back the layers of the onion, um, in any area, health, wellness, like you said, it's all interlinked. Right, we come down to this like fear, right? Like the, when we are driven by fear or we're making choices from fear and there's so much fear I feel like in the world of our physical health at this time, in our world period probably. Um, but what do you think, I mean, I wasn't obviously alive 50 years ago or 60 years ago. Was there as much fear or does research show that there was as much fear or is this something that is, growing and mounting and what do you think the origins of that are
1: right that's a great question i i really think that so let's back up a little bit i grew up without the internet and when we wanted information we had to go to the library and hunt down information so it was a it was a laborious task and if you wanted really accurate information you went to an authority so if I wanted medical information, I went to my doctor, or you know, I, I went to a teacher, a professor, and we look towards these authorities to provide us with accurate information. Along comes the internet, and our access to information broadens. So now we jump on Google, we can find out a lot. Some is true, some is not true, If we've uh, been trained in a little bit of critical thinking, we can delve into this information and we can look at the references, we can look at the background of the person, we can can make these assessments more accurately if we're critically thinking. And thus, we, and and at the same time, what's happening in society is the, um, the information about authorities that is coming to light, the, Uh, whistleblower from the CDC who talked about falsifying the studies on the MMR or different authorities committing crimes or doing things that are immoral. These things are being broadcast to us. So we start to simultaneously doubt our authorities. At the same time, we have access to volumes of information and you combine those two things and it creates distrust. And it also creates this fear because it's kind of like we're between the dock and the boat. We used to depend on the authorities, and now, well, maybe we can't because some of them are doing bad things or they're illegal. But can I trust the information that I'm getting? So we're at, in this liminal space where we're trying to understand how to process all the information that we have access to, and at the same time, losing faith in these authoritative figures. And recognizing I can't just go to my doctor and ask a question because their education is not only limited, but very agenda focused because it's being taught by the pharmaceutical companies. So I I think it's a combination of the uncertainty and the shift that we're going through as a society that generates the fear. And just like the birthing process, when, when you hit that time of transition, when you think, I can't do this anymore, somebody please just help me, give me the epidural, or take me to the hospital, or whatever it is that in your mind, it's like you have to fall back on, we have the power to move through that. We have the ability to rise above that fear and have faith in ourselves if we can access our intuition. So that's, that's my... Hope within these films that teaching people how to access their intuition and and make choices based on
0: that. That's fantastic. I love that answer and I agree with that. And I think that um, I know my mother's instinct with my son when he was born was very heightened. I know it also, you know, to follow that was also scary at the beginning, right? To follow that intuition so strongly, even when maybe you're making choices that you know, not all of society is making. And yet it was so strong for me that I I couldn't do anything else. But I also know that that brings up fear for people too, the beginning of listening to your own intuition and wondering, am I right? Like, am I right to rely on myself and my own intuition? And, um, and I think, and I found homeopathy, which I want to talk about and really, because I, so I know a lot of people have heard of homeopathy. I know a lot of people I'm sure that listen to the show use it. But I still think even for people who use it a lot, they don't really know how it works or what the principles of homeopathy are. So I know it talks about like cures like, can you give us, even for the beginners that maybe are just learning about homeopathy, like what is the concept around it?
1: Sure, so it's over 200 years old. And in the US, Many of the medical schools were homeopathic medical schools and the hospitals prior to 1910, when a number of political uh, things occurred that kind of squeezed out that way of thinking. So the basic premise for homeopathy is like treating like and minimum dose and the meaning of minimum dose is how the remedies are made. So we start with something uh, in nature, animal, mineral, or vegetable. We use plants, we use poisons, we use animal milks from uh, mammals, we use metals, we use everything in, in the world to make remedies. And we start with the actual substance and then it's diluted again and again and again and again until there are no molecules of that original substance. And what we have is a frequency And that frequency is then, it's in a liquid, it's poured on pellets. The pellets are taken by mouth. That frequency is imparted to the individual. And the individual's own vital force starts to uh, recognize and write whatever the pathology is in terms of of, um, treatment. So I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, you can't sleep at night. Your mind's racing. And we might give you the homeopathic coffea, which is made from coffee. Now, coffee would typically cause that racing mind and uh, heightened uh, energy. But when you take it in a homeopathic potency, which has been diluted and shaken or potentized, it instead causes you to relax and be able to go to sleep. So it's your own vital force balancing the um, imbalance that you have internally that's keeping you awake and it's done with like treating like.
0: It's so smart, right? I mean, everybody who's listening knows I love to talk about frequency. So for me, like it's so smart that I wonder, like we had this hundred years ago and we were using this and why move away from it?
1: Well, that's a complex question. I'll I'll try to answer it as simplistically as I can. And basically, with the development, one thing that happened, it, the development of aspirin, you could treat 1,000 people with the same aspirin to bring down a fever. Whereas with homeopathy, each case is individualized. So we take the case, understand everything about the person, and apply a remedy. So think about being back in 1910, 20, And feeling like, wow, this new, modern, streamlined approach of an aspirin is so cool. This is is the future. So people started moving in that direction because of the simplicity of it. That's one thing that happened. Another thing was called the Flexner Report, F-L-E-X-N-E-R. And Abraham Flexner was commissioned to evaluate these homeopathic medical schools and Um, basically as a result, started shutting them down, formed the AMA, dictated that no one could uh, belong to the AMA unless they did not associate it with homeopathy. And most doctors were homeopaths at that time. So it created this rift, this division. And there was a lot of judgment against homeopaths. And the AMA was... Funded and the medical schools were being funded by pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry um, with the premise that pharma reps would be on the boards of these medical schools. They would help design the curriculum of the medical schools and much of the curriculum became fashioned around pharmaceutical treatments. And that's how it remains today. Interesting. And
0: what is we've said another word too that people might not know with homeoprophylactics, what, what is, when was that created and how does that relate to homeopathy? And, and really when was your interest kind of pulled to really looking at how we can understand these common diseases um, and build our body to, be, to have strong immunity? Right, so
1: homeoprophylaxis is a subset of homeopathy. It is not classical homeopathy. It's actually in a different category. And uh, Samuel Hahnemann, who is the father of homeopathy and and first devised the principles in the 1700s, found that uh, during scarlet fever epidemics, that a particular remedy, uh, belladonna, when when given to a family, seemed to prevent them from catching the epidemic. They didn't get scarlet fever. So he started experimenting with this and and giving it preemptively and finding that, ah, yes, it is a, a prophylactic. So that was the first case of homeoprophylaxis And then it was applied to tropical diseases. And India has adopted homeoprophylaxis, and it's a legal uh, government-sanctioned method for disease prevention in India. Um, And then after that, Isaac Golden, a doctor in Australia, did a 15-year study with about 2,500 children with the childhood infectious diseases, giving them homeoprophylactic remedies that um, so he could monitor and see how they did over a period of 15 years. And he found that they had even more robust health than children who were not vaccinating and definitely better health than vaccinated children. They had fewer allergies, eczema, eczema, ear infections, um, kind of acute diseases. They had more robust long-term immunity. So that's kind of the history of homeoprophylaxis. It's the use of Either a disease product made into a remedy or um, other animal, mineral, vegetable remedies that are utilized prior to an epidemic or prior to disease, to be exposed to disease, to exercise the immune system with a frequency instead of risking the actual disease. So, all the benefits of that disease frequency without the risks.
0: And what happens in the body? So, you know, I think the, the fear would say, like, is there anything in this to be worried about? Like, am I taking anything and any part of the disease? And the answer is no, but what is the frequency doing in the body and how is that strengthening the immune system?
1: Right. So I have a lot of parents say, I, I want to know exactly what's in this. And I have to chuckle because it's a sugar pellet. If they took it to a chemist and evaluated it, they would say nothing's in it. It's a sugar pellet. Right. Because it's a frequency that's been anointed onto that pellet. So that frequency, what happens? We all have certain susceptibilities to diseases. Let's say your great-grandfather had tuberculosis. So you might have a susceptibility to um, different respiratory diseases. Maybe you have asthma. Maybe you have allergies. It's, It's your susceptibility. Whereas the person next door maybe they don't have that at all maybe they have a susceptibility to skin diseases like eczema or psoriasis so based on our individual susceptibilities you take a disease nosode a homeoprophylactic nosode and that frequency is recognized by your body by your vital force actually and your susceptibility is thereby satisfied so when it's satisfied, you become much less susceptible. Now, you get in the area of somebody who's spreading a respiratory disease, you're either less apt to contract it at all, you'll repel it completely, or if you contract it, your body will know what to do with it, and it'll be much more mild.
0: That is absolutely amazing. I mean, that... I know that it was around at the turn of the century, but it feels like the next wave of understanding. Do you see it as as kind of a rebirth of the understanding of really how our energetic body works, how we interact with frequency?
1: Right. And especially with your work, Shauna, you know, you you talk about frequency, you're interested in frequency. It's the future of medicine. It it truly is because it's non-invasive. It's individualized to each person. It's it's the future, I believe, of healthcare because we're seeing a very broken system and more and more people are seeking something that is non-invasive, that's safe, effective, natural. It's, it's just uh, an elevation in consciousness to start embracing frequency medicine.
0: Agreed, 100%. And I wonder, can you talk a little bit about, because definitely for kids, but what is the benefit of an adult going through the homeoprophylaxis system? Is that like, if somebody has maybe had struggles with their immune system, is that something that could be helpful in strengthening that?
1: So for adults, we mostly see the application uh, with travel. Okay, so they can do tropical diseases, For travel because we know that travel doesn't require any vaccines other than yellow fever if you're going to an area where it's endemic. So lots of people contact me for that and it can be very effective. As far as, um, you know, some people are interested in homeoprophylaxis for pneumonia. Let's say they have a weakened respiratory system and they don't want to take a pneumonia vaccine. They might apply homeoprophylaxis for that. Generally, um, I'd say it can help tone the immune system, but I say that with a little bit of reservation because there are adults who have many chronic diseases, who are taking many medications. And in those cases, I would wanna navigate a little more carefully and not just assume that they're going to be strengthened with homeoprophylaxis. It can definitely help to re-regulate a dysregulated immune system. So by that, I mean a young child who whose immune system has been confused by multiple doses of diseases all at once, and it's tried to detox, and it's brought up inflammation, and that inflammation has been um, suppressed, so they've been thwarted. The, the immune, natural immune system has been thwarted that system becomes dysregulated. So the child keeps throwing up the same inflammation, another ear infection, another sinusitis, more breathing problems in an effort, a natural effort to try and clear and go through the entire process of um, immunity. So it's been thwarted. And when you introduce homeoprophylaxis, it can sometimes help to re-regulate the system and move through that process more smoothly because we're really giving one single disease at a time and it's at the energetic form. So it's it's safe and you know the vital force welcomes that and is able to thus start to re-regulate the immune system a little bit.
0: And I know you mentioned like the delivery of homeopathy in general are the, the nozodes and their small little sugar pellets that you put in your mouth. What does it look like? How is the homeoprophylaxis administered and how long does it take to take it? Like what is the experience like?
1: Right, right. So at realimmunity.org, we have specific programs that are designed to educate and support the parents. So the the program consists of a kit with the diseases, uh, a booklet where you can do all your record keeping with a a schedule, a calendar, a video that teaches you Everything about administration, and then a meeting with myself or one of the other real immunity practitioners, there's three of us. Um, te- you know covering more questions, going a little bit deeper, and then support for the program. So if anything comes up, you simply shoot an email and you're responded to. So we hold your hand through the process and it can, it can you're giving you're basically giving uh, a dose monthly. Or two to every two to four weeks. Some people like to make it a little shorter, and the entire program takes between eighteen and thirty-two months. And uh, at the end of the program, you're then taught how to do boosters, like five years down the road from the last the last dose. But it's it's a very uh, user friendly program. It's not a strict schedule. There's a lot of wiggle room in the schedule. Uh, generally parents are giving one dose of something about every two to four weeks. Um, I think that answers to, is there anything else I can explain about the program itself?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think we're living in a time of um, needing information and alternatives that feel of resonance to us. So it's, you know, I, I'm grateful for you and for this information and for something that obviously as a person who feels energy and studies frequency and understands the energetic body and feels that that is something that we will understand more and more. Um, And like you said, the medicine of the future, when I learned about this, it just felt like coming home. It felt like this makes sense to me on every level of my being. And it feels like, you know, sometimes in life, I think we have the mindset where we think it has to be hard or it's got to be painful or it's got to be difficult or it's got to take a long time. And I actually think that a lot of the next level of, in the area of physical health or personal development or understanding who we are as energetic beings actually moves pretty quickly. And it can be pretty simple when we understand it. And that's how I find, um, Homeopathy to be in general and homeoprophylaxis and the and the whole concept behind it. And so I'm grateful, you know, for the option. And I'm grateful to know that it exists and to have dug deep and, you know, wanted to understand it more. And I thank you for doing this work and sharing the information that you do.
1: You're absolutely right, Shauna. It for me it felt the same way. It just felt such a fit, so natural. And you right. it shouldn't be hard it's we need to move away from that and come back to a place of softness gentleness respect uh respect for these other organisms respect for ourselves um definitely definitely so i think we're in the process of that change and again it's a it's a birthing process it's it's not easy sometimes but we're getting there and just like the body has a fever before it resolves a disease we're seeing that fever in society. That's what we're experiencing now. So if we can just stay with it, believe in ourselves, I think we're you know, in a good place.
0: I agree 100%. I'm going to ask you now the four questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, it's just an opportunity to share your life experience and your wisdom. Um, it's based on a process called the Anatomy of Transformation that I take people through. And the first step in that process is truth. Because I believe that When we powerfully feel a truth, a deep truth, whether it's something we experience in our life or something we hear and it just resonates, that it's a catalyst for the next level or evolution of our life. So, what is a deep truth that you've come across on your journey that was powerful for you?
1: Wow, that's a great question. I think that I've had experiences in my life that have caused me to question what I thought was truth things that I held fast to that something would come up that would say to me, you're wrong. And so for me, the deepest truth is never assume you're right. (laughs) I love it. Just maintain that openness, maintain the willingness to admit that maybe I have this wrong. Maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe there's something I can learn. And how do we do that? you know, and, and still remain, have our own integrity. But truly that's, that's what's true for me that I I have to maintain that humility and willingness to admit that I'm wrong and
0: learn more. I love that. And the second step is release. And so what was it for you in realizing that truth that you felt like you released, whether it was, belief systems or limitations or ways of being in the past, or even people or experiences from your life that no longer seem to fit when you were that open?
1: Oh, release. I'd say, I don't know, this is kind of a difficult for me to to admit, but, you know, we adopted three children, one from Russia, one from Taiwan, one from China. And I had this belief that, you know, my pure intention and love for kids was gonna make everything better. And I had to release that because it came with challenges that there's no way I could have predicted and have been devastating in in some regard um and I had to release that that belief that you know it's going to make everything better and it'll be fine so
0: that's really powerful thank you for sharing that because I think we all face that in different ways at different times and and that when we admit that right to ourselves. even though it's hard to admit that that opens the door. And that's really what the third pillar experience is about, which is, okay, when I finally can say those words, there's a new experience that opens up. And so what, what is your experience of life now, knowing that you've released that knowing that you are now open, not just saying, I know the truth, but open and saying, I'm willing to look at, you know, at different points of view, and as things come and willing to discover, what does that open up for your life?
1: I think it's the knowledge that living with the question is more important than having the answers. We have to be able to tolerate living with the question because there's always another one. Yes. (laughs) So you gotta just live with it, you know? It's, It's not about finding the answers always. It's about having options, feeling free to make a choice, and being okay with the uncertainty. Mm. That's all you can do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And the fourth pillar is a line, which is really like, what for you has you stay the course? Has you stay on your path of continuing to stay in the question and continuing to be open and continuing to show up to the work that you feel called to? What fuels you or what lifts you up?
1: I think it's people. I think it's, you know, the mom who says, oh, I'm so glad I found homeoprophylaxis or, you know, the people that feel some positive shift with homeopathy, the people like you who are doing these interviews and asking these searching questions and making me feel seen, making me feel like I'm making a difference in the world. And that means everything to me. That's, that fuels me. That keeps me going just to be seen and know that I'm making a difference is everything.
0: Mm, I love that. Well, you definitely are seen and you are definitely making a difference. And if you guys want to find out more about Sula's work, you can go to realimmunity.org. There are tons of resources. It's a beautiful website with so much information and the documentaries, her two documentaries, Um, I really enjoyed Quest for Real Immunity, and I know that you're going to be launching a brand new documentary, which we said we'll talk about maybe in a different episode on the show, Um, but I can't recommend this information enough. So thank you so much for being here with me. I appreciate what you're doing in the world. I appreciate your heart and you, and thank you for spending this time with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you having me on
0: shauna lee and you've been listening to the soul frequency show podcast you can follow us on instagram and facebook at the soul frequency if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this show join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes